Somebody better get ready to hold my mule now. I'm thinking to shout. I'll tell you what. That's good. That is good. Any way you put it, that's good. Look, if you would, at 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Thank you so much for being here today instead of out on the lake on a beautiful, sunshiny day. I appreciate you being here. And uh, what a service we've had already. I told them in the earlier service, uh, some of them may wanted to come back to the late service. It was so good, uh, especially the music. Praise the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord uh, God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. I'll deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day? And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he hath spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go back ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It's a light thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward ten degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. Father, thank you today. Wow, we, we just say thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord, everything we've got, we owe to you this morning. There's not a thing in the world we bring in here. We come empty-handed before you, praising you, glorifying you, knowing that if you don't come through today, everything we do is... Is wasted. It's in vain. So we're asking you, Lord, don't just show up. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just manifest yourself in this place. There are those who are in this building whose very life, if they died today, Father, would be separated from you. I pray today that they'll not leave the same way they came in. Save their soul. There are others in this place today that Lord, just need a new relationship with you. You know every one of us. You know what our weak points are. You know what our strong points are. I'd ask you, Lord, to just cleanse me and let me say exactly what you want said. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Uh, there's, There's no apparent heir to the throne here. If he would have died, if Hezekiah would have died, 
the line of David would have been broken. You say, oh no, Hezekiah had a son, Manasseh. Manasseh was not born until four years after God gave him another 15 years. So right now, if Hezekiah had died, I'm just just trying to get you to see how big and wonderful our God is. When we think he doesn't know what he's doing, he's got everything under control. There's many preferences for uh, prevailing prayer in the Word of God. Abraham prayed for Sodom. Uh, Moses prayed for Pharaoh to let the people go. God did miracle after miracle there. He prayed against uh, Amalek, and then he prayed for Israel. Uh, Hannah couldn't have a son. She prayed, oh, God, give me a son. God did a miracle, and she got a son. David prayed for forgiveness after he'd murdered and and, uh, had uh, uh, an affair. He asked for forgiveness in Psalm 51. God did a miracle in his life, cleaned it up. Hezekiah is asking for healing here. Dr. Thomas Carter, it's a true story. He told this last in, in, uh, in 2015. He said he had a mother that was always with him. She followed him around. He ended up doing some bad things, ended up in prison. But she always claimed that God had told her that he was going to get out of prison, he was going to be saved, and he was going to preach the word of God. And they all just kind of laughed at her. One day she got a message, a telegram, and it said, your son has died. What do you want us to do with the body? She walked in her bedroom and knelt down before her bed. And she said, God, I have believed that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. You've told me that I have a promise that my son is going to be saved and going to preach. And yet I've got a telegram here in my hand that he's dead. They don't jive up. I'm going to believe you, God. And she sent a telegram back to the prison and said, my son's not dead. You made a mistake. They sent a telegram back and said, lady, you're right. We made a mistake. He did get out of prison. He did get saved. And he did pastor churches and do evangelism. All I'm telling you is that God knows what he's doing. Uh, If you got something in your life that needs to be turned around, God can turn it around. I titled this uh, sermon, When the Funeral's Called Off, uh, but it it goes good when God turns things around too, whichever way you want to say it this morning. But I just want you to realize, first of all, I want you to realize that when a preacher comes in with a short message, you ought to thank God to start with. I mean, I'll tell you right now, this message, he comes in and said, listen, Uh, Get your house in order, you're going to die. And he turns around and walks out. Now, that's a good preacher there. Get his point across and then leave. I want to tell you, amen. There's a God God in heaven who sits high and looks low. You may not think he knows what's going on in your life, but I want to tell you, he knows every detail about you. There's a God who has all power in his hand. He, he works things out. And in the middle of all that, he loves you and he cares for you. He's already proven it on Calvary when he gave his son to die on a cross for your sin and my sin. He's already proved it. I can't turn things around. If I could, I'd have already done it. Parents can't turn things around. Chaplains can't turn things around. Jail can't turn things around. But I will tell you this morning, we've got a God who can turn things around. 
You may have come in here this morning, you've got a relationship that's gone south. I want to tell you the good news is there's a God who can turn that around. You may have come here this morning, you've got some bad news. There's a God in heaven who can turn that bad into good. Uh, whatever your problem is. Now, let's look at this just quickly this morning. Number one, there's a diagnosis of death. I, you can't call it any other thing. He comes in, Isaiah does, and he said, get your house in order. Uh, the Lord says, you're going to die. Now, he not only faced the Assyrian uh, invasion here, but now he's got a terminal illness. I know you've heard this, but I remember and reminded of that husband and wife who went to the doctor. The old man couldn't hear much, and he got everything confused anyway, and he said, look, <clears throat> why don't you just go out and wait in the waiting room? I'll tell your wife everything, and then, and then y'all can leave. And he said, okay. So he went out and waited in the waiting room, and the doctor looked at his wife and said, ma'am, your husband can live another 20 years, but you're going to have to treat him with kid gloves. He can't be under stress. You're going to have to get up and make homemade biscuits and, 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 and gravy and, and, and eggs and bacon for him. And you're, you're just, he cannot handle stress. You're going to have to let him sit in the recliner while you mow the yard. You, you, you're just going to have to do that. And if you do that, he'll live another 20 years. Well, she said, the doctor said, do you understand? I understand fully. They walk out, she walks out to the room, and they're walking down the hall to go to the car. He said, well, what'd the doctor say? The doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> hey, how would you feel if the doctor comes in tomorrow and says, look, you better get your house in order because you're not going to make it. You're going to die. I, I, I want to tell you, I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. That's news that makes you sit down and say, Lord, I need to spend some time with you. When we look at Isaiah, he didn't follow modern philosophy today. Modern philosophy is don't, don't say anything that's going to upset anybody. Be a good doctor, have good bedside manner, you know, and just kind of float them along, you know, encourage them. Isaiah didn't encourage nothing. He went in and said exactly it. I mean, it's like the doctor sitting on your bed and said, hey, you got your will made because you're to die. Mm. Now that, I like that. I know some of you don't. I know I've talked to some of you. You won't go to the doctor now because you're scared they're going to find something wrong with you, so you ain't going to go. That's your prerogative. I want to know if something's wrong with me. Number one, I want to know because I can appeal to the Lord for deliverance and healing. If I don't know anything's wrong, I don't need to appeal. Secondly, though, I can set my house in order. I've got my will made. I did that 11 years ago when I went in for heart surgery. I set my house in order. And in my will, my wife gets everything except 10% of everything. 10% comes to this church. Have you got that in your will? Well, good grief. This is a tough bunch, Brother Case. <laughs> Man, <laughs> have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Surely you think what we've got going here with God is going to be good enough to support, amen? You need to get all that stuff in order, he said. And the third reason is because if I know somebody's going to die, I've got 30 days or 60 days or whatever to pray about them, to encourage them, to lead them to the Lord in Christ, to pray that they get the plan of salvation over and over and over. You say, preacher, that sounds like a deathbed conversion. That's exactly what it is. Well, how do you know God's going to save them? The thief on the cross had one of those. 
No, no, nobody baptized him. He didn't go to a new member orientation. He didn't have any of that. Man, he left right there at that cross and went right into paradise right there. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, I believe in deathbed conversions. Well, then I feel a little bit better now. Well, let me ask you this. Are you willing to take that big of a gamble? Huh? I mean, I guarantee you, lots more people die in automobile crashes. They dr more people die in drive-by shootings. You say, well, that don't happen here. <laughs> well, don't read the paper. It'll blow yourself up. It's been happening here quite often. You don't know that you're going to get an opportunity to lay on a bed and ask Christ to come into your heart. You don't know that. That's why it needs to be done now. Listen, you're not helping people. There's an old song. It's not old. It's new. A uh, southern gospel song that uh, God loves you too much to, uh, uh, to, to leave you where you are. He loves you too much. I... Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. Uh, Revelation 21, 4 tells us that uh, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there should be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, neither shall be, there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We have it better than Hezekiah had it, because Hezekiah was looking for the cross. We've already seen the cross. We've already seen what God's done for us, that he died on Calvary to wash our sins whiter than snow. We already know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We already know those things. But listen, here's the truth. I'm giving you the truth. If you're not ready for Christ as your Savior, the pain and the torment are going to be eternal. The Bible says in Revelation 21.8, the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Luke 16, the rich man is there, and he's saying, uh, Father Abraham, just let Lazarus, just go tip the, just, just tip his finger in water and just put it on my tongue. Is that what you want for eternity? You think 50 or 60 years is a long time. You wait till eternity hits. We ought to be ready to meet the Lord at any time. And if death should come or Christ returns, we need to be ready. How, how, how could you be ready in your home? Well, I think one thing is people ought to be able to see Christ in your home. Amen? You, you ought to have some scripture somewhere on the walls in your home. If you don't have any and your wife won't let you decorate, then put them on the mirror. But there ought to be scripture in your home somewhere. People ought to be able to see Christ in your home. There ought to be love in your home. People ought to be able to see. The home ought to be founded on love. Children are born in love and they abound in every home life. There ought to be love and companionship and sweet fellowship. There may be some things in your house that you don't need to discuss with adult kids. Amen? Maybe you just need to keep your mouth shut. I'm not talking about the things of God. I'm talking about the things of the world. Most folk don't nearly get upset when you're talking about the things of God as they do whether you're a donkey or an elephant. They ought to be able to see the Bible in your home, and it ought not to be under the card table or under the, the uh, uh, coffee table there gathered with dust. 
It ought to be used. People ought to go in your home and say, look, everywhere around you, you can see Jesus. We heard some testimonies uh, yesterday uh, in the men's breakfast. I can't remember which one it was, but one was walking across the, the lot and said, man, some, uh, you've been in the presence of God. See, when God's around, you're going to know he's around. His presence is around. There ought to be prayer in your home, discipline in your home, discipline my soul you know what i don't ever my daddy only whipped me three times and i remember all three times of them one time i was running from him and got out the gate slammed the date gate and the lord just let it lock right there and stopped him right there i thought i'm away he said you'll come back that's all he said i came back he had a good memory but my mama was an everyday thing. And I don't ever remember saying, Mama, I know you disciplined me because you love me. And so give me another lick, Mama. I tell you, just, I need it. You give it to me. No, I learned how to get real close where she couldn't have a full swing. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There needs to be some discipline, and God may be disciplining you. You need to find that out. If God's disciplining you, it's because he loves you and he wants you to come back into the fellowship the way it ought to be with your life. There ought to be peace in the home and there ought to be a Christian example in the home. Matthew 24:44 says, Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. I mean, you, you lay down at night and say, it's been a good day. I just give out. Bang, here he is, we're gone. The moment you think he's not coming, here he is. He's gone. There's a diagnosis here, and it's death. And then there's a request. I, I love this because in verse 2, he turned his face to the wall and prayed. I, I'm hearing bells right now. I, I think maybe the Lord's coming now. Amen. <laughs> Woo, come on, Lord. <laughs> he, he turned his face and he prayed unto the Lord. Uh, I, I love this. He took his heavy burden straight to the Lord. He didn't call the preacher. He didn't call the deacons. He didn't call. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, when somebody tells you you're fixing to die, you better get right with God. You better forget about the family, forget about the deacons, forget about the pastor, and say, God, me and you got to have some time together. And that's what he does. He said, Lord, I, 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 I need time with you. The Bible says that he wept sorely, which indicates that he was intense. It was loud. They heard him all over the palace. Philippians 1, Paul said, I'm in a straight between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. 1 John 3, 12, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we uh, shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. You see, he turned his face. I remember years ago, Hattie was just a little bitty girl, and she had learned how to potty on her own. And I remember her grandma, grandma going in there to check on her. And I remember hearing her say these words, I need a little privacy. <laughs> huh? <laughs> need a little privacy. I want to tell you, there's some of us in this building now that need to say, look, I need a little privacy. 
I need to get along with God, and I don't need no distractions. I don't need nobody busting in. I don't need nobody giving advice. I don't need nobody reading a book to me. I got to get along with God. He said he turned his face toward the wall. That literally means that he's locking out everything else, and he's focusing on God. He's focusing. Mm. Have you ever thought about getting along with God? Now, I know you've thought about putting it on Facebook because I read all about your troubles. I know they're in the blogs. It's always bad. But I'm talking about, have you thought about just getting along with God and pouring out your heart? When's the last time you just got with God and you cried and begged and pleaded with God? Well, no, preacher. Hey, you cry over everything else. Dog get hit on the road, you sitting there bawling over it. And I, I would too, but I'm telling you, we, we cry when we win a basketball championship. We cry if we don't win it. And yet when it comes to the things of God, the very things that last eternal, you just put on a straight face. Listen to me this morning. Forget about your makeup. Forget about your eye color and eyelashes. Get loose and get with God. That's what's going to change your life. Nothing else going to do it. Whoo. I want to tell you, when I get in trouble, I want to go to God. The one who was here when there wasn't nobody here. The one who never changes. The one who is not I did or I will, but who is I am. When's the last time you've been with God? Almost seems arrogant here in this scripture because uh, he's doing different. And we're taught, and there's nothing wrong with this, we ought to begin our prayer with adoration and praise. Nothing wrong with that. But he doesn't do that. There's plenty of evidence in the word of God what God's done for us. Plenty of testimonies. You could give them all day long in this church right here. And we could, just we could just have a glorious time hearing what God's done for you. There's plenty of evidence there. But he doesn't quote what God's done for him. He quotes what he's done for God. You say, well, that's kind of arrogant. No, he's telling the truth. Look, 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 look at verse, verse uh, 3. He, he said, uh, I beseech you, O Lord, remember how I have walked before thee in truth. He said, Lord, I'm not coming to you as a fire insurance policy when things were going good and everything was happening. I followed you in truth. I followed the word of God. I followed what you said do. You see, I did what was right because it was right. Listen, some of us just need to learn to do what's right because it's right. And then maybe, well, let me finish this up here. Verse 3. He walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart. That's talking about worship. He has worshiped God. He didn't come to church uh, one Sunday every two or three months when he got in a tight and when everybody was against him and he was broke. And he thought, well, I better get out of the church and try to see if I can't get this thing repaired. No, he said, I've been worshiping you all along. And then he says, that which is good in thy sight and have done that which is good in thy sight. See, it's not enough to do what's good. We need to do what's good in God's sight. 
There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. You need to make sure it's right in God's sight. Hmm. Now, could it be? I mean, you know, this guy's got a portfolio that's that thick. God says, you're going to die. Now, God, now wait a minute. I've been faithful to you. I've been worshiping you. I've been doing what's right. God, I, 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 I'm begging you. I wonder what our portfolio is like when we come to God. Maybe we don't tell God what we've done because we ain't done nothing. Hmm. I'm still pushing this evangelism initiative. We've asked for our members to come one time a month for one hour to go talk to somebody or write a card or make a phone call. One hour a month. Hmm. I didn't expect to get no amens there, but I just want to tell you, we may ought to work on our portfolio a little bit before trouble comes. Wouldn't hurt at all. The third thing I see here, though, quickly, is the prayer is answered. Verses 4 through 6. <laughs> it came to pass before Isaiah was going out into the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell him he's going to live. <laughs> I'm sure glad he ain't kin to Jonah. You know, old Jonah said, that's just what I thought, God. By the time I tell him he's going to die, you're going to turn around now and let him live. No, the, the, the king is in this part right here. The middle court would be about where that uh, double door is back there. And then you would be in the middle court of the palace. And then you'd go to the outside port. The Bible says before he got to the middle court, before he got to where he is here. King, I want you to know something. Uh, you, you set your house in order, you're going to die. You're not going to live. And he turns around. He don't shake hands with him. He don't hug him. He don't say kumbaya. He turns around. He's walking out. And immediately Hezekiah begins to pray, Oh, God, I've done this, this, this. God, I need you. And before he gets to the middle court, God says, Well, wait a minute. Turn around. Go back in there and tell him he's not going to die. I'm going to give him 15 more years. God can turn things around. He's sovereign. He can turn things around. Ah, uh, listen, Hezekiah's prayer was answered quickly. I wish all our prayers could be answered like that. Sometimes it's wait a while. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes we may think they never get answered, but, but this one was a fast answering prayer. The writer of Hebrews, and, and, and I thought it's kind of unique too because the scripture tells us that he's doing this and on the third day he said so that you can worship the Lord. I've, I've made many hospital visits over 50 years and I could probably count them on one time, one hand. The number that said, preacher, I want to get well so I can go to church. I want to go worship the Lord. I want to get well so I can go to church. Maybe a few more than that. But most of the time is, Brother Charles, would you pray? I, I got grandkids that need me, and I've got a wife that needs me, and we love to travel, and my wife and I travel. We love to play 42, and we, we, we love to play chicken feet or legs or whatever, thighs, 
I don't know what it is, but we, we love to do all those things. I'd like to get well so I could, you know, get back to my normal life. He says, hey, I want to get well because I want to go to the house of God. I want to go worship. Now, it, don't take me wrong. If you're listening this morning by live stream, do not take me wrong. If you cannot, and we're not going to stop live stream, we're going to continue live stream. Because there are a lot of people in our church that would give anything in the world to be here this morning and sit right here in one of these pews. I mean, that have been faithful to the Lord. And we're going to be faithful to you to continue to do live stream and help every way possible. But listen to me. If you're physically able to get to the house of God, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some are. And do it so much more as you see the day approaching. Don't you see the day approaching that Jesus is coming again? He's going to come again. So I just want to encourage you. This is the place. Uh, many of you have told me, hey, we love the live stream, but it ain't like being here. Hey, it's not. That, it, God says it's not. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. He's, he's focused Oh, on the Lord. His prayer is answered here. Uh, we ought to be looking at the big picture. I, one of the things I did early on in life to make a little extra money is a dangerous thing, but I taught ladies how to drive a bus. And uh, it, it, it was a life-threatening position, but it was a, you know, it was a hoot, I'll guarantee you. You know the hardest thing about driving a school bus is... Uh, getting the big picture getting the big picture see when you're driving 70 kids 50 kids whatever you you can't just look at what's happening right here you've got to think of what might happen in the future you've got to constantly be looking at what's going to come out of this street or what's going to happen over there it's called getting the big picture and I want to tell you, there are a lot of Christians today who are focused on just me, myself, my family maybe, but I'm just focused right here. Woo, you need to get up and look at the big picture because God's on his throne and he loves you and cares for you. We need to have a clean heart before God. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You say, interpret that for me, preacher. If there's sin in your heart, go ahead and stop praying because it ain't doing no good anyway. That's what the scripture says. He's not going to hear you. He's not going to hear you. You've got to clean that heart up. We, we need to have an humble, tender, broken heart, not a hard heart. It is so easy in our day-to-day to get hard-hearted. I mean, you, you help people over at the stop signs when they need money and then one afternoon you happen to be there when they are finished and they're carrying their bag over to a car and get into it hmm that'll make you hard-hearted you, you got to stay close to god you got to stay in that big picture god's the one who blesses we need an undivided heart that's devoted to the lord an obedient heart an abiding heart. John 15 says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what it will and be given to you. To abide means to remain in him. The big picture, to have God at the center of your life all the time. And then we need to keep a seeking heart. Concerned for the glory of God. It is not 
about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Baptist. It's not about uh, Woodland Hills Baptist. It's about the kingdom of God. Everything we have done, we bathed it in prayer that God's kingdom would flourish and increase. It doesn't matter anything else. We've got to be reaching people with the gospel. And then there's a prescription for recovery. <clears throat> Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. And they took, I, man, take a good lump of figs. I thought, man, strawberry figs. But anyway, they took these figs. They laid it on the boil, and he recovered. So Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah had some kind of boil, burn, inflammation, ulcer, I don't know. You say, what does that have to do with us today? L let me just speak my heart to you. If you're here, our, our selves are made up of soul, body, and spirit. Many years ago, as I started out in the ministry, I'm just to tell you the truth. I thought you was crazy to need to go to a psychiatrist or a, or a counselor. Well, that's just goofy. Get in the Word of God, suck it up, and get on out there. Knock the blood off and get back in the race. Amen? And I had a chaplain sit down with me, a dear friend of mine, and he said, Charles, i tell you what. He said, I, I, I think you're a man of faith. I said, well, I, I, I try to be. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to follow you on your idea of no one going to a counselor or a psychiatrist, no medicine needed for anything, as long as you'll tell me that when you get a gallbladder attack, you won't go to the doctor. You'll just trust God. When you get a hernia, you, you're not going to go to no doctor. I'm, I got faith. I don't need no doctor. All these psychiatrists, all these doctors. No, let me tell you something. This is an, uh, uh, a prelude right here to the fact that when you need to go to a doctor and get medicine, there ain't a thing wrong with it. That's the best thing you can do. Don't be embarrassed if you've been to a doctor and he gives you medicine. Thank God for the medicine. Man, if you've had any kind of surgery... Whoo, can you imagine when they used to do when they didn't have anesthetic? But they had to have stronger whiskey than what they got today. I guarantee you, when you're talking about doing surgery and ain't nobody got any anesthetic, I'm telling you, God's saying, listen, the prescription here, I'll give it to you. And God uses doctors today. He uses doctors that deal with the mind. He uses doctors that deal with the body. And he uses doctors that deal with the spirit. And we're all in this together. Our bodies are made up of those. So don't neglect one because you think you're holier than everybody else. You go on to the doctor. If you don't have one, I can give you one. Well, and then I find this here. Hebrews 10 says that you've need of patience. Anybody here need patience? <laughs> Anybody need patience? After you've done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. Boy, you stay three days in a hospital. Isn't that right, Richard? Three days in a hospital seemed like three months. I mean, you're talking about something to teach you patience. You, 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 don't want, you don't want patience like that. Let me get rid of here. I'm through. There's a proof of God's power. Hezekiah said, show me a sign. 
I, I don't deal a lot with signs because I believe the truth is if you want to deal with fleece and you want to put out a fleece and you want to deal with signs, you got to die by the same signs you live by. And the truth is, I put out some fleeces before and God didn't answer it like I wanted him to, so I changed the fleece. You say, well, what do you do for signs? I just trust Calvary. You see, they didn't have Jesus. They needed signs. We've got the Lord. We've got the perfect word of God right here. We don't, we don't really need any signs. But Hezekiah said, I need a sign. And so Isaiah said, well, let's do it like this. I'll let you choose. You got a sundial here that's telling the time, and either God's going to let it go forward 10 degrees or he'll let it back up 10 degrees. Which one you want? And Hezekiah said, Well, it's no big deal. It's a light thing for that thing to go forward 10 degrees because that's the way the dial runs anyway. It goes forward. That ain't no big deal. So let's back her up 10 degrees. Isaiah calls on the Lord, that sundial backs up 10 degrees. Ooh, somebody get ready to shout. Have mercy. That thing don't back up on its own like that. You say, how'd he do it? I don't know. I really don't care. All I know is he did it. It's what the Word of God says. He wanted a sign. God gave him a sign. Two great miracles. F.B. Meyer said this, and I'm closing, almost. <laughs> he said, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer but unoffered prayer. James says it like that. You have not because you ask not. And then he goes on to say you can ask amiss and it's not given to you. But it's not the unanswered prayer that's killing us, it's the unoffered prayer. Dr. R.G. Lee made this statement in a message. He said, if all the sleeping folk will wake up, if all the lukewarm folk will fire up, if all the dishonest folk, just feel free to say amen when I hit you. If all the dishonest folk will confess up. If all the disgruntled folk will cheer up. If all the estranged folk will make up. If all the gossipers will shut up. If all the true soldiers will stand up. If all the dry bones will shake up. And if all the church members will pray up, then we can have revival. We can have revival. I don't know what you came in here facing this morning, but I want to tell you there's only one who can turn it around, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never been saved, never had a time in your life when you told the Lord that you were a sinner and you realize you can't save yourself. I'm telling you, don't wait till tonight or next week. Come today. Come today. You say, preacher, I don't know what to say. Just come down here. We'll, we'll help you say whatever you need to say. But don't leave this place the way you came in. Maybe this morning, I'm, I still, you know one of the greatest prayers that, that I pray, honestly, I pray that our church could get back one more time to getting back where these altars meant so much that you couldn't even get all the people at the altars. But you see, we've come to a place where we have come complacent. And we're worried about what somebody might say. We're worried about what somebody might think. We're worried if God gets a hold of us and we start crying, our makeup is going to run and, and all of this. And Hey, 
as long as we're worried about all that stuff, we're never going to say, God, move. Lord, this is your place, your invitation. Would you, Lord, just do what you want to do today? Lord, I know there are folk that need to be saved. God, today, would you show them the way of salvation? Would your Holy Spirit empower them to get up where they are and walk down here and be saved today? Others may need a church home. God, if this is where you've planted them and you want them, then you show them. Lord, don't let them waver between churches and all. God, give them a job. Give them a purpose and, and, and bring them into the house of God to serve you. Maybe today it's just a, a family that needs to come together and pray. And Maybe you're not everything that, that you need to be in that family. God, give some men some courage to say, come. They may have never said it before in their life. But could, could they take their wife's hand and say, come, pray with me at the altar. Let, let's let God get a shot at this. Let's turn it over to God. We can't change it. We've tried. It's all dependent upon God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us. You